I'm going to be reading from the 42nd Psalm, and I invite you to follow in your Bible or uh, notice on the screen I will be referencing uh, several verses from this beautiful text throughout the message, so you may want your Bible open or a Bible uh, near the hymnals in front of you. From Psalm 42, I'm going to read the entire psalm as we think about uh, prayer and the question, why pray? If you're able, please stand as God's word is read and comes among us. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I went with the throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep at the thunder of your cataracts. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day the Lord commands His steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me? As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me continually, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my help and my God. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I hope somewhere along the way, uh, the internal logic of the uh, order of sermon series will become apparent to you. The last four weeks, uh, we spent talking about God, who God is, and talking about the fact that your God is too small because we have uh, uh, made God miniature and we've failed to trust God. And the reminder was that God is big enough for all of our challenges and that God is personal enough to be interested. And the way we know that is by our connection of prayer. And everything in the 42nd Psalm uh, that I just read to you is really going to be uh, touched on in, in this entire sermon series. That is to say that this 42nd Psalm sort of contains in a, in a seed fashion, in an embryo fashion, uh, all that we're going to talk about the next few weeks. The presence of God in our lives, God is the source of our lives, uh, the joy of thanksgiving and the trust we can have on Him, the complaint about unanswered prayer, and the need of one another as we learn to pray better and as we need the, the fellowship of the congregation, all those things. But the first thing I want you to notice is in the very first two verses of this psalm that the psalm begins with a longing, just as prayer begins with a longing. 
As the deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. As a deer longs for the flowing streams, we believe from the comments made in this psalm that the psalmist was writing this way up north, uh, technically out of the Holy Land. He was up at the headwaters of the Jordan where Mount Hermon's snow begins to melt, melt and, and feeds the stream that becomes the Jordan River. And he's sitting there far, far away from the people of God, but he sees the water flowing and he said, that's what my soul is like. See, the Holy Land, Palestine, was not one kind of terrain or climate. It's, it's a country about the size of New Jersey, but it has uh, greenery and flowing streams and, and uh, beautiful meadows, but it also has arid wasteland, desert, dry and dusty. It has a little bit of everything. And I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been in your life really, really thirsty? I mean really thirsty. Uh, like maybe a, a really tough workout or you've run a long way, uh, or maybe before surgery, they told you you couldn't have any water and that made you want to have it, right? And you think you're just going to die if you don't get a drink of water. I remember as a young man in the hayfield, uh, between loads, as we'd, as we'd bring a, a hay rack load in and before we'd go back out to get another, just reaching for the water cooler or, or the, the water uh, container and just taking the jug and taking a drink that was so satisfying and, and just so delicious. Nothing like it in the world. We were made uh, to drink lots of water. Water sustains us. Water is life-giving. We cannot live without it. And so the psalmist knew what he was talking about when he said, as the, as the deer longs and pants for a, a living, flowing stream, so my soul longs for God. See, that's the first mistake we make about prayer, is if we think prayer is, first of all, about getting things from God. Uh, if we act like prayer is presenting God a Santa Claus wish list, or if you prefer, in more modern parlance, some of us think that prayer is a heavenly Amazon.com. We think that we just... Uh, go through all of our needs and we click on something and then we uh, order it and we add in the name of Jesus to the end of it. But it doesn't work that way. Prayer is not, first of all, asking God for something. Prayer is opening our lives to God's mysterious, powerful presence, His creative energy, God's God's life-giving presence deep within us, opening our hearts to this God. I love this quote by A.W. Tozier. Uh, if you haven't read his writings, you should get acquainted. An infinite God can give all of himself to each of his children. He does not distribute himself that each may have a part, but to each one he gives all of himself as fully as if there were no others. Now, I want you to ponder that for a moment. We're going to leave it on the screen for a little bit because I want you to think about what that means, that God does not parcel God's self out. Uh, a little bit of God goes to you 
and a little bit of God goes to you because we might run out of God. But God gives all of God's self to each of us as if we were the only person who ever lived on the face of the earth. This overflowing, abundant, wonderful God wants to fill us, be present in us, have a relationship with us. So you begin to understand that we were made for prayer. We were created with this capacity to know God. We were made with this capacity to drink spiritually. And we were created that way, so that means we're at our best when we are praying. We are most alive when we are praying. We are most ourselves when we are praying. We are our fulfilled being when we are praying. Uh, I like the way uh, former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, states it in one of his books. He says, uh, praying is in us because God created us. He said, praying is like sneezing. Uh, we can't help not pray. We, we, he said, we... There comes a point where you can't not pray because it's within us deeply. So what is a relationship with God without prayer? It's zero. How do you have a relationship with God? Let's just pause. Let's make sure everybody's on the same page. Do you, do you get a relationship with God if you take communion? Uh, if, you, if you get baptized, do you automatically just, there's a cartridge inserted and you automatically have a relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with God because your parents did? Or here's one, do you have a relationship with God because you believe right doctrines? All those things may help. Do you have a relationship with God because you listen to some really great podcasts from people who are really spiritual? That may help, but that doesn't give you a relationship with God. We have a relationship with God when we allow Jesus Christ to sprinkle the different parts of our lives with his personality. We have a relationship with God when we allow Jesus Christ to flavor and marinate the various parts of our personalities. And that happens through prayer. I heard Richard Rohr on a podcast one time make an, an, a, an astute observation that I'd not ever thought about before. He said, thousands of people go to church their entire lives and never have a satisfying relationship with Jesus Christ. I, the Lord and I rehearsed that. Uh, <laughs> Timing is everything, let me tell you. So many people go to church their whole life and never have a satisfying relationship with Jesus Christ. As the deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for God. See, that's my burden for our church in this community, that people come to know Jesus Christ in a personal way. Come to the place of realizing they can't save themselves, that they have to just admit their brokenness and sin and by faith invite this Savior to come in and make a commitment to follow Him. 
And that relationship can begin to grow as the conversation of prayer happens in a very natural way, in a very, very powerful way, day by day and step by step. And, and that's why our church has the mission statement that includes the phrase leading people to life-giving relationships with Christ and others. Because this life-giving relationship cannot happen apart from prayer. And speaking of that, how's your relationship with God going? Be honest, and you don't have to answer out loud. How's your relationship with God going right now? Is your walk with God a steady incline that every day with Jesus is better than the day before and there's never a back set that it's all, it's all very, very gradual and all very predictable and it's always better, always better? Or is your spiritual walk a little bit like a roller coaster? You know, some ups and then some really low valleys and then a blip and then all over the page. Well, that's exactly what the psalmist was confessing too. Did you notice in this psalm the whiplash? He would say, oh, you are my rock. God, you are my satisfaction. And then he'd say, why are people being so mean to me? Why are so many things going wrong? Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? And then suddenly he says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. And then he goes back into a sort of a depressed state because he's all over the page, just like we are. And so he reaches the place in verse 7 where he says, deep calls to deep at the thunder of your cataracts. He's up there at the mouth of the Jordan River near Mount Hermon, and there's this deafening roar of waterfalls. And suddenly he realizes, something deep in me is calling out to something deep in God. And my soul is reaching out to that deep, mysterious experience. And he, he wants so desperately to be in a relationship with God no matter what's going on in his life. Deep calls to deep, he says. And did you know that when it comes right down to it, when all the books are written and all the sermons are preached and all the songs are sung about prayer, did you know that eventually the most elemental and simple prayer is Lord have mercy. All the other prayers we pray spring from that, Lord have mercy. Deep calls to deep, I'm hurting. God, where are you? God, be real to me. Deep calls to deep. And then he's able to pray. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, verse 8. And at night his song is with me a prayer to the God of my life. So this is prayer. Turning what we know of God into conversation with God. Turning our head knowledge, what we know about God, into conversation with God from our heart, from our, from our will, from our relational being turning what we know about God into a conversation with God. And with the psalmist, we begin to see in prayer uh, 
using our imagination that, that is filled with faith, a world that's different than the world we're living right now. A world that's better than it used to be. We see in prayer help for our brokenness. We begin to imagine in prayer God making a difference in real situations. And we begin to bring our complaints to God in an honest way because above all, prayer is being real in God's presence. No sugarcoating, no dressing up in Sunday clothes. It's being real. This is what prayer is. Back in 1862, Abraham Lincoln signed the Homestead Act. It was a simple proposition that changed the face of our nation. Settlers who paid a filing fee of $10 and agreed to live on a tract of land for five successive years were given 160 acres gift. They paid the $10 fee. They lived on it for five consecutive years. And through the Homestead Act, by 1900, 600,000 claims had been made settling 80 million acres of land in our country. Because settlers were willing to say, I claim what is given to me. I appropriate it. What would have been missed in our country and for those people if they had failed to stake their claim? Which makes me wonder... What are we missing in our relationship with God because we don't pray? What are we leaving unclaimed because we do not appropriate the blessings and the power and the presence of God? Because we try to do it all by ourselves. I want to show you a challenge on the screen. Three things to remember. Whatever you're going through in your life, no trouble, no trouble can rob us of the right we have to pray because Jesus Christ said you can come in the throne room. No trouble in your life can rob us of the privilege of prayer. It's a privilege. It's not a duty, it's a privilege. And no trouble in our lives can rob us of the power of prayer. doesn't matter what you're going through. Nobody can take that away from you. Nothing can change that. Even if people tell you, you shouldn't pray or don't pray for me, it doesn't take anything away because all of those things are true. As the deer longs for the flowing stream, so my soul longs for you. Deep calls to deep. Deep calls to deep. Sing it with me. When I pray soft and low, when I pray this I know, God will always hear, God will always hear. Sing it again. When I pray this I know, when I pray God will always hear, God will always hear. 